Welcome to the Future is Healthy podcast, where we have in-depth conversations with experts to help navigate wellness and empower all of us to make feasible changes to a healthier life and healthier world. Today's guest is Dr. Stacy Beller-Stryer, who is a board-certified pediatrician and associate medical director for Park Rx America, where she educates providers, schools, and park agencies on benefits of nature and nature prescriptions and works with the core team to strategize ways to move this mission forward. She is also a frequent speaker at conferences and other media outlets and has published on this topic. Dr. Beller Stryer served as the Health Promotion and Disease Prevention Coordinator within the Indian Health Service and a pediatric subject expert for an online health website, Revolution Health. She also works with her local school system to increase awareness and promote outdoor classrooms and green schoolyards, and serves on Governor Hogan's task force for Project Green Classroom. She wants others to benefit from nature as much as she has through the years. In today's conversation, we talk about what nature deficit disorder is, what the definition of nature is, and that it's actually less fancy than you think, and its effect on physical, mental, and behavioral disorders. We talk about how getting outdoors can decrease the risk of depression and anxiety, how getting in nature lowers stress and helps with self-esteem. Dr. Stryer talks about how much time we need to spend outside in order to get these benefits, how to fit in nature time if you're working or in school, how park prescriptions work and how to tailor it to each individual. And we discuss social disparities and access to nature and what people can do if they don't have as much access to green space. And at the end of the conversation, we talk about how nature time can actually help the brain and boost test scores. This conversation left us with a lot of cheap and easy health tips, and we hope that you enjoy it as much as we did. Welcome, Dr. Stryer, to the Future is Healthy podcast. Um, We're really excited to talk to you about nature and um, its impact on physical and mental health. Uh, Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to talk about it. So are we. Um, So we really wanted to start out with uh, what is nature deficit disorder? So nature deficit disorder, it's a description. It's not an actual disorder um, that someone can be diagnosed with, but it's a description of what's happening to children um, these days and what's been happening for about the past decade where children are indoors more and much much more sedentary and they don't get outside. And we are seeing that children who are indoors are really having a lot of more behavioral issues and mental health problems and physical health problems. So it's kind of a descriptive term that we use for people who are more sedentary. Um, Yeah, I heard a statistic the other day that we spend about 93% of our time indoors. We spend a huge amount of time indoors. I'm hoping and thinking that maybe during the pandemic that's gone down a little because our only reprieve is to get outside. But in general, we're much more sedentary than we used to be. Yeah, I've been very grateful for the parks we have around the city. So we also wanted to go into some details on like, what are the impacts on, we can start with the physical um, health of kids. So what impact does nature have on the physical health of kids? So being outside in nature, so the physical impacts are, um, one, kids are, when they're outside, they're running around more and they're more active. 
and that's associated with a lower BMI or lower weight and less risk of obesity. Obesity itself carries a lot of problems, especially as you get older, because once somebody becomes obese as a child, they're much less likely to get rid of that extra weight and much more likely to maintain that as they get older. And that's associated with a higher risk of diabetes, high cholesterol, hypertension, and problems that arise from that. Um, also, the benefit, other benefits from being outside are decreased risk of asthma. There's some, um, some studies that show that children that are outside more have a lower risk of asthma, and there was a study done in Australia that showed that. And the ophthalmologists are also really gung-ho on getting kids outdoors because they're seeing that as kids spend more time inside, there's an increased risk of myopia and problems with their eyes. So they're really making an effort to get kids outdoors more. There are also decreased risk of um, stress and um, hypertension. Wow, interesting. Is the myopia um, primarily from kids potentially looking at like screens all day when they're inside versus being outside and looking out towards the horizon or a little further, no, right? Yeah, I don't think that they actually know exactly what it is. You know, it's being studied, but they definitely see the connection between the two. Interesting. Do you have any examples of how uh, being in nature affects mental health? So that's a, that's a really big, you know, <laughs> big thing. And especially these days. Um, we know that being inside and not having access to nature really has an impact on mental health, on anxiety and depression and stress. And people who live in cities who don't have as much access to nature, which is a huge portion of our population, um, are, have higher rates of stress and anxiety. There are a lot, so many studies that show that getting outdoors decreases one's risk of um, depression and anxiety and sense of well-being. And that's really important, um, our sense of well-being and how, you know, how we feel. And there's a, a study that was done in rural New York, which is one of my favorite studies, demonstrates um, how important it is to um, have access to the outdoors and to green space. And it was a study done on a group of, of girls um, and it showed who were in elementary school. And the study looked at how close they lived to um, greenery or green space, how much stress was in their family and how anxious and depressed they were. And they found that those girls who lived closer to green space had less stress and less anxiety and felt much, had a greater sense of well-being. Um, felt much better about how things were going. And those girls who had the most stress in their family, the most things going on, um, actually had the greatest benefit of living near green space. And we've seen that in other studies too, that those who have more stress or more anxiety um, and problems in their home or problems in their community, that the outside and the outdoors helps them even more than it would help someone who has like less of these kind of stressors in their family. Wow. So, pretty interesting. That, seems like a, that is really interesting and seems like a very doable fix of just getting some green space in order to reduce anxiety. 
Um, and I know that we can go into that in um, the park prescription, which I'm really excited right. to talk about. Yeah. Um, well, there's also, just to tell you, and then you can, you can you know, decide what you want to do with this, but there's also a huge study that was done in the United Kingdom um, that came out, and it got a lot, a lot of news, a lot of media about a year ago, and it looked at the amount of time people spend outside and their stress levels and their sense of well-being. And they found that those people, 120 minutes was kind of the cutoff. Those people who spent 120 minutes outside in a week were, had a significantly greater sense of well-being and health and felt better about themselves than those who spent less time outside. And this was a, a very large and well-received study. So we're definitely seeing that there's a, an effect. The more time you spend outside, the greater benefit it has. Wow. And is, were those 120 minutes, can you lump them all into one day or can you spread them out throughout the week? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> you can That's spread them out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can do it in little segments, you know, you can do it all at once or you can do it once a day, twice, you know, you know for the whole week, um, two times a day, whatever you want. It's 120 minutes was all that mattered. That so. seems like such a simple health hack to really, you know, help your mental health, your physical health. But for some people, it's still very difficult. So do you have any recommendations for, you know, for people in school or people at work that are just stuck inside majority of the day? How, what are some ways that they can fit that in? People in school, you know, the schools are making a, right now with the pandemic, a lot of schools are doing many different things to try to keep the, um, the kids and the teachers safe. So there are a lot of schools that are doing a mixture of being virtual and having outdoor classrooms and then a little bit of time inside. And so I think being outdoors, they're doing it for the safety because of the pandemic, but it's also helping with stress. And I'm hoping it's making the teachers realize and recognize the benefits both academically, because there are benefits academically from outdoor classrooms and the benefits of their mental health from being outdoors. So already naturally we're getting outdoors more these days than we were before. Um, there are some people who just can't get outside or they don't have access to nature. And for those people, we have a lot of different recommendations. If you can't get outside, something as simple as having a plant inside your house or putting a bird feeder up right outside your windowsill really ha has an effect. Um, looking outside your window and from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. every day or from 4 to 4.30 and looking for counting the number of birds that fly by is, is nature. Nature doesn't have to be far away and it doesn't have to be something that's really complex. And that's one thing we're trying to teach people is that something very simple, like looking outside your window and trying to count the birds or looking for, you know, how the tree leaves are changing colors has a similar effect. I really like that because a lot of people um, picture nature as like the Himalayas right. <laughs> or something beautiful and grand. And of course, these little pieces of nature, like a bird flying by, that's beautiful as well. But that we can still benefit from these like little, little doses of nature. Going along that, you might have already answered it though, but um, how do you define nature? So nature is anything in, anything in the physical environment that we didn't make. So, you know, it's plants and trees and animals and water. Um, so it's anything that isn't man-made. And so, you know, you think of a garden, well, we make a garden, but what grows out of the garden is natural, you know, the plants. 
Garden, gardening is something that really gives people a lot of um, benefit and stress reduction. People feel good from, from gardening. So that's natural also. But it is, we're making a really big push to emphasize how nature is everywhere. That it doesn't have to be, like you said, the Himalayas or, you know, Yosemite. Yeah. So it's right outside. And I like the tip of having a plant in your house because it also, um, I've heard that it can help purify the air a little bit too, depending on what plant you bring in, which is just another benefit. Exactly. And, um, you know, there are studies that show um, we have something that's really important that not everybody thinks about in terms of when we talk about asthma and people getting outside the stress reduction is tree canopy. And it's, you know, so the trees that line the streets and um, in Japan, there are forests. There's what's called um, Shinrin-yoku, forest bathing. And in both those situations, when you have different types of trees and different types of plants, they're finding that people will benefit more. So, you know, what is it that the chemicals that they're either um, producing or that they're getting rid of could have a benefit? So it's more than just looking, but it could be something that's chemical and, you know, that's out there. I think that I read one of the studies that came out of Japan and um, they were proposing that uh, trees actually have like chemicals that can reduce anxiety. So if we want to get into the nitty gritty science of like stress reduction from being in nature, do you have any um, studies that show what happens in the body to reduce stress or like why we feel less anxious in nature? So I can tell you in the body, like some of the things that happen from these studies that were done in Japan and, and actually done here. Um, but there have been several studies that have looked at people um, in Japan because Shinrin-yoku has been around for so long and they actually have forests or areas there that are certified for what they call forest bathing oh, cool. because they have to have a certain percentage of trees and you know they have to meet all these criteria and they've done studies where they've uh, taken blood from blood samples and heart rate you know looked at heart rate and blood pressure people before they do one of these forest bathing sessions and then at the end and they found that the cortisol level which is a measure of stress at the beginning um, is significantly higher than it is at the end of your walk. So that's one thing. Blood pressure and heart rate are also reduced. And something I think is really interesting is um, a measure of NK cells, which are cells of the immune system. Um, Natural are, killer cells, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, are significantly higher at the end of a forest bathing session and can remain higher um, for a while. So these are cells that, that um, are natural killer cells, as you said, of the immune system. And immune cells can help prevent illness and they have a role in cancer prevention. So there are a lot of things going on from being outdoors. It's like the first line of defense a little bit in our body, right, of the immune system. Exactly. How long were these walks that were done in the study? Um, I actually don't recall. Okay. I don't know. I don't think they have to be terribly long. Um, but I don't recall how long they were. Could there be some meditative effects to just being outside? Totally, yes. I think meditation is really important. And I think there are meditative effects. And in forest bathing, um, you know, you really take in the, the scenery and you focus on the outdoors and the environment. And I think that that's, you know, that focusing is very similar to meditation and has a lot of things in common with meditation and, and kind of your mind can just re regenerate itself. You know, you, you're rejuvenated after one of these sessions. 
Yeah, that's really awesome. I mean, just by getting outside, you get the exercise, you know, you get some light therapy, you get some meditative effects, and then you get, you get to get away from all your electronics, you get to get outside, breathe some fresh air. So, I mean, even without digging too deep into the physiology, it seems like it's really hitting every aspect of health. It, it really is. It's really amazing. So, which is why it's so important. I know that you work on um, schoolyards and getting more green space for schools and uh, elementary school age kids. I don't know if you work on middle and high school as well. Um, but I was wondering, what effect do the outdoor classrooms have on um, conditions such as ADHD? So there have been a lot of studies that have been done and uh, the studies are getting better and better. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a new, a relatively new field, meaning, you know, a decade, decade and a half with, with studies done before then, but there's really been like an explosion of studies done on the benefits of nature, probably in the past 10 years and they're getting better and better. And they've shown that children with, especially elementary school children with attention deficit disorder, um, and behavioral issues do much better uh, after being outside in a natural schoolyard, having outdoor classrooms, that their behavior is improved. Um, just behavior in general, after there's been an outdoor classroom, is improved. Um, socialization is much better. People learn how, um, how to socialize and how to interact and, and how to resolve conflicts. So when there, there was a study that was done when a classroom or an outdoor schoolyard was transformed from a regular schoolyard to a green schoolyard, um, and it was transformed, and just by observation, the, um, the, the observers said that even when there were, was arguing going on, because the arguing didn't stop in a green schoolyard, but they felt the people, the kids felt better about it. They, they felt like things were going better. They were able to kind of come to some sort of conflict resolution and they learned how to work together and work with each other to compromise. And so these are great skills and kids who have behavioral problems, the same thing. They were, um, maybe they have sensory integration issues. And so they're able to feel the dirt or the sand and work with that. And, and it really benefits them significantly. That's really interesting. That's great. Um, do you, when you promote this in schools, do you get pushback? Are people receptive to it or, or how do they respond? So I, I think that people are receptive to it. I can't say it's widespread right now. I mean, Maryland, Governor Hogan really has a big initiative to introduce green schoolyards and green space into all the schools. So that's great that our governor has that. Um, there are other states around the country, especially California and Northern California, where this is really caught on um, and there are a lot of outdoor schoolyards. I think the people we've worked with so far have been people who have been the principals who are already hooked in and, and really, you know, interested and believe in this green schoolyard. So, and, and outdoor classrooms. I do think after the pandemic, um, there are going to be a lot more who have really seen the benefits of That's being great. outdoors you know, the one silver lining of the pandemic is it's opening people up to new ideas yeah. and new ways I, of doing things. Exactly. Which is a good thing. It is. It's a, I mean, that's, you know, if you have to come up with a good thing um, from the pandemic, that's one good thing. But we're also working with guidance counselors, you know, in the schools. 
and working with them trying to explain you can hold a session outdoors you know outside you can talk to kids outside and you can hold sessions out there and and just think about how beneficial that is for these kids you know i think it will really become a snowball effect too at some point because we all know that innately that nature is good for us because if we go outside and take a walk in the park you always do feel a little bit better but then now there's like hard science backing it up um, which I think can help to motivate people to make these changes too. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, working in um, psych right now, and you know, you kind of meet with patients in the little courtyard, but it's inside. Right. And just imagine if this was a big open space and you could just walk and talk with your patient and the patients could walk around. I feel like it would increase uh, therapeutic outcomes for sure. Don't you think so? I mean, really, mm -hmm. and just that... Um, that stress reduction from being outside and, and kind of being irritated and aggravated. And, and there are studies that show they'll give um, people like a really difficult task to work on together, actually mother, mother, daughter, and they'll try to work on a task and it can get very frustrating and very difficult. And then they either, this one study, they either um, took a break and took a walk um, in a natural setting versus in a mall. <laughs> and um, those, when then they went back and they had another activity that was difficult. And those who had been walking in the green space and not in the um, mall were just much, they had rejuvenated and they did much better. They interacted better. They were less anxious. So it makes sense. We, you know, like you said, intuitively, but the studies are now showing that and proving that it really is there. So. Yeah, and you were saying too that the uh, social interaction is uh, heightened and made better in nature. And I think that a lot of people are starting to move to um, meetings where they are on Zoom or on a phone call and they're just walking around their neighborhood. Um, so people are starting to really integrate this into their life, which I think is awesome and really important. Yeah. How do you get your nature in? Oh, me, it's really important for me. <laughs> I, me too. <laughs> yeah, I've always, you know, that's how I started out when I, nature's always been very important and I, I recognize how much I need it. And I used to think that it was important for some people, but I didn't want to put my values on other people until I started reading the studies and I heard Richard Louvre, who's the author of Last Child in the Woods and the Nature Deficit Disorder, I heard him speak and I realized after he spoke, everybody needs nature. Um, so that's when I really got involved in this. But I get out, I, I have a dog, you know, so I probably walk a minimum of three to five miles. That's my a day, that's my baseline. And then I do probably another hour, an hour and a half of stuff most days a week and camping, hiking, you know kayaking. I just, I love it. So I do too. It's wonderful. Um, I actually read part of the uh, last child in the wood because you recommended it to me earlier. Um, and the author mentioned that he began to notice uh, nature deficit disorder cropping up in the 1980s. How do you think that this issue has grown and what factors do you think have contributed to that? Well, I think the major factor is just um, how we've become, all of us as a society have become more sedentary. Um, so, you know, increased use of computers, both in school and out of school, um, TV, cell phones, it's just bringing us indoors more and occupying more of our time. 
more people are moving into the cities where there's less access to the outdoors and nature. Um, we have working families with two parents work, or maybe there's just one parent in a family. And so these kids, they're latchkey kids, um, where they have to stay home. They can't, there's nobody to go outside with them. That's a problem. Um, you know, I think all fear, I think there's increased fear, whether that's real or not, of being outside and going to a park. I think those are all factors that are keeping all of us from getting outdoors into nature. Yeah. Um, I would love to start talking about the, the Parks RX that you're a part of. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that and your role in it and how does it work? Sure. So it's, it's Park RX America. It's a nonprofit and it started um, as DC Parks uh, by Dr. Zar, who's a pediatrician. And he expanded it about two years ago. Um, and I became involved maybe about two years, around, right around when he expanded it to Park RX America. And what it is, is it is a, um, a nonprofit organization. And the whole idea is to get, how it started was to get healthcare providers to write nature prescriptions or prescriptions for people to get outside. It started because he's a pediatrician with kids, but it's really everybody. We all need to get outside. So somebody who might be feeling very stressed, very anxious, someone who's overweight, someone who's sedentary. Um, those are the types of people we would want to get outside, would want them to get outside more. And so we would recommend, you know, we would talk to them when they come in for a visit, ask them if they get outside. And if not, we would say, you know, what do you think about being, getting outside? And we would talk to them and work with them in writing a prescription. So it's just like having a prescription for an antibiotic if you have a sinus infection or strep throat, but this is a prescription for getting outside. And so we work with them because we don't wanna assume we know where they wanna go and what they like to do. So we need to work with the patient. You know, Is there a place near you that's reasonable? If there's a place that's far away, they're not gonna go and very often. And we really want somebody to get there as many times a week as possible. So where can you go? When can you go? What do you like to do when you're there? And how many times a week? So it's a prescription we make from that. And then we send them, you know, along the way to fill their prescription. I really love that. So I came across your organization and I was so inspired because I think it's a really, really great so-called prescription because we have uh, such a rise in mental health issues in this country and um, a huge problem with obesity as well. And like you were saying, sedentary life and being exposed to nature really hits all of those factors. And um, this prescription is cheap, which I think is really important and easy to do. Um, you said 120 minutes per week. So that's pretty doable. <laughs> we have a lot more than 120 minutes per week. And um, there's really, if you try it out, there's no like long-term core side effects from it. Right. Right. So it's, it's really all encompassing. Um, and I saw that on your website too, you have some parks that are listed. Um, can you go to any park or do you just need to be uh, prescribed for the parks that are on your website? So the way it started out, um, and we have an amazing, I think we have 9,000 or more parks around the country. So Robert, um, Robert Czar, about two and a half years ago, um, they expanded, as I said, the organization to all around the country. And so we have a database of parks 
um, around the country that have been entered and it's pretty amazing. So let's say you put in where you live um, into this, what's called like a park finder. You put in the address of where you live and any park that's within Ten, within half a mile, a mile, five miles, you can choose um, on the website how far you want to go from your home. So any park within the distance that you choose that is in this park finder, is in the database, will pop up. And it has the amenities, um, the directions, maybe a picture, um, what you can do there. So you can go through and say, hey, there's a park here half a mile from your house. What do you think of this? Would you like to go there? And they may say, no, I don't like that park. I've been there. I don't want to go there. Well, here's another one. Oh, yeah, I like that park and I played soccer there. So great. So you write a prescription for that park. The reality is, even though we have thousands and thousands of parks in the database, we're talking about the whole country. So not everyone is going to have a park in the database that's near their home. And so we also have the ability to write a prescription for them anywhere. Um, we've written prescriptions in hammocks. We've written prescriptions for looking at bird feeders. You know, we, so it can be, we can make a prescription that is customized um, both the park and the location for anybody. And, and awesome. that, yeah, it's really, it's really nice. So you have the ability to do it either way. So does the act of it being a prescription just make people much more likely to do these things that you've been telling them to do? That's our hope. <laughs> That's our goal. And the, the nice thing is when you write the prescription, you can send a reminder to, their, to the patient's cell phone if they have a cell phone, to their computer, or you can just print it out. Um, and so you can also remind them um, three days a week, five days a week, once a week to fill their prescription on their cell phone. So it's really nice. And you can, um, for, for healthcare providers, you can actually take the prescription and put it right in your electronic medical record. So the next time they come, you know what the prescription is and um, you can talk to them about it. That's so cool. Do you guys also integrate their like health tracker or their, you know, their Fitbit or anything like that to see if they've actually done their walking or... So right now, so that is something that we would like to do. We, we aren't doing that now. The one thing we're doing is um, they can let us know when they've gone to the park. So there's a little, they just press a little I've gone, you know, button that they've gone to the park and the healthcare provider can keep track of that. They can look at that prescription and see how many times that person has actually filled that prescription if they, you know, if they mark it off. But we are trying to do, expand that. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, how do you see this uh, park prescription evolving in the next five years? I think it goes a little bit along the lines with tracking Fitbit and such. So that's one thing, you know, being able to make it much easier to track and much more interactive, I think, you know, so maybe we can, every time they fill a prescription, we can do some sort of emoji for the young kids or, you know, thumbs up to just give them that immediate feedback and um, let the provider know somehow when the prescription's been filled. So there's that. Also, even though this started as a um, healthcare provider initiative, I think that we need to expand it, you know, expanding it into the schools. And we, as we've talked about, we did a study 
Um, Parker X America did a small study in Washington, D.C., expanding it into the school system um, with physical education. So that's, you know, hoping to expand it even more into schools with the guidance counselors, I think is really important and other areas. So wellness um, centers in at employment, you know, employee health, I think is important. So I think just expanding it as much as we can. So everybody's aware of it and we're all working together to improve our health. We'll do the best we can to expand, expand this you. as well. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. It's such, it's such a good, I, I don't want to say like health hack because I think people take that out of context, but it is a health hack. <laughs> it's, it's an easy thing to do. Um, it's cheap and it really benefits you in all aspects of your life. Um, I know that this is a bit of uh, a difficult topic, but I would love to talk about uh, social disparities that exist in nature accessibility. Um, what do you see as a solution to this problem or do you have advice for anyone who doesn't have the same access? It is definitely a problem. Um, and just like there are so many social disparities in, in so many different, uh, different ways, but environmentally it is too because um, a lot of minorities and, and a lot of um, people in the lower socioeconomic or disadvantaged um, classes live in the city and there's not as much access to green space in the city. So there are programs that are being developed. It's not simple, but there definitely are programs being developed to try to improve that. Some of it is like taking abandoned lots and making them into these little small parks or green spaces. The other is actually improving access to green space in um, outdoor schoolyards. As I mentioned, California, Oakland. Oakland's done an incredible job of, um, I think they are trying to get every single elementary school to have a natural um, schoolyard, green schoolyard, so they can benefit every day from being wow. outside at school. And, and there's some really beautiful um, schoolyards that have been developed there. So different areas around the country are developing these outdoor schoolyards. Um, there are a lot of organizations um, like uh, um, Outdoor Afro and Latino Outdoors and, and culturally um, diverse organizations that are being developed to work with people who may have different desires and different needs. You know, it, it's a hard thing because there, it's definitely, there's more awareness and there are things being done, but it's slow going and it takes yeah. money. And yeah. I think it really helps too, circling back to what we were saying before about the definition of nature. It doesn't have to be an extravagant um, trip out to Yosemite or anything. It can be looking outside of your window, seeing the birds, walking down the street, looking at the trees. Um, within just a sidewalk. So it's that if you broaden the definition, I think that helps as well. And I do think the schools are the key. I mean, I think that's why that's partly why we're bringing the schools into this because every kid or almost every kid goes to school. And if they have access to the outdoors and green space for 20 minutes or half an hour every day in school, that's awesome, you know, so. Yeah, and speaking of schools, um, I was wondering if 
exposure to nature helps with test scores because I think that's a fun little fact. <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, it does. Um, it's and that's something when we go and we talk to the schools, we really impress upon them how it's not just there for mental health and behavioral health, but it also has this extra advantage of helping um, with academics and these outdoor classrooms, like holding science out. You can really hold any class outside, you know, math, English, science, it's all more interesting outside. I agree. <laughs> yes, seriously, they get excited by it and they're interested. And academically, they do better. Even, even having access, um, if you're inside and you have access to, to a window that looks outside into green space, academically, you do better. So um, your academics definitely improve and it's sustained over time. The other thing is we really need people to uh, go into these natural sciences. And I think having these outdoor classrooms makes people more interested in some of those, um, kind, those sciences that deal more with the environment and the outdoors, which is important. Do we know the science behind why it helps with studying? Like, does it help increase neurons in the hippocampus or BDNF or what is there any science behind that specifically? I don't I don't know I mean just taking it there there may be um, something I don't you know something in terms of the chemicals in the brain when you're outside I don't know of any studies that have shown that but I do know that people are just from being outside we're just able, we're less anxious and we're able to concentrate better and our ability to kind of rejuvenate and focus is enhanced. And it's just, it's, it's interesting. You know, mm -hmm. I think that you can keep, capture the interest more, but it wouldn't surprise me if there are chemicals that are different when you're outside than when you're inside sitting in a classroom at a desk. Is there a way that you guys are trying to promote to the next generation of, you know, uh, healthcare providers or um, doctors to promote your message and to make sure that they're able to get that message out to their patients? Well, we're trying in terms of um, like medical students and yeah. we try, we try to give as many talks. Part of what we do at Parker X America and, and other organizations do is we try to educate as many people as possible about the scientific benefits and, and what the benefits are. And I think I had spoken with you earlier, Amanda, just about the fact that I think getting the um, healthcare providers, like the public health students and medical students and residents earlier is where the key is. Because once you're a doctor and you're finished with residency, you kind of have your toolkit and it's hard to add something else into that toolkit, which is already so full. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so if we can like put this in there at the beginning, I think it's really important. I don't think it's something hard. It doesn't take more time. It's just that by the time you already have your spiel down, it's hard to change it. The problem might be um, the residents and the doctors will be writing prescriptions for themselves. That's not a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you'll be taking your patients outside, right? Walking uh, with that, that patient really cool. placement outside and chatting with them. And so lastly, we ask every guest to finish the following sentence. The future is blank. So the future is all around us. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dr. Stryer. This was a wonderful conversation. Um, and 
these nature prescriptions are something we'll be talking to um, our classmates about and our residents about because I think it's a it's an easy tool to have but so powerful. I agree and thank you so much. It was really nice meeting you guys and speaking with you. It's nice, it's nice you. to meet you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Future is Healthy podcast. If you loved what you heard, subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think someone you know can benefit from any of the info we talked about, share this with friends and family and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. We don't rely on paid ads so that you can trust we have no conflict of interest in any of the information we provide or talk about in this podcast. If you support what we're doing, you can help us to continue putting out content by clicking the link to support the Future is Healthy podcast. This podcast is for general education purposes only. It is not a substitute for treatment, diagnoses, or professional medical advice. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or other qualified professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information from this podcast and any of the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. If you are seeking advice for any medical condition, it is important to seek the assistance from a qualified, trained, and licensed medical practitioner.